three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to 321 Overtime. I am one of your hosts, John Torres, and as always, I'm here with my good buddy. Brian McCallum, John. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm great. I want to, not, my name is not Brian McCallum John. I just throw there's like a comma there. I throw that in to say hello to you. Right. I, I understand that. Brian McCallum John is a great name though. And if you have a <laughs> child one day, I think you should name him or her that because you never know how they will identify. Brian McCallum John? Yes. The whole thing? The whole thing. Is that the first name or the I don't know, but who cares? What I care about is what a weekend in the NFL. We've been talking about the Patriots and the Saints for so long, but boy, some other teams are really starting to shake things up, and you're not really sure what you can count on anymore you know in why? this playoff race. You know why? why you're not sure? Because you can't count on anything. You can't count on anything, and you, know, you used Rams. to be able to count on things. The Rams, who we thought were dead just a few weeks ago, have come back now, and they beat Seattle, which is the team that I've been talking about for the last few weeks because they looked incredible, and then San Francisco. Now, San Francisco has a great defense, but they actually won a shootout in New Orleans against the Saints yesterday, 48-46. I caught the final two minutes of that game, Brian, and it was like an NBA game. Whoever had the ball last, you know, was just going to win that game. I guess game. it was this year's version of last year's Chiefs at Rams game. Yes, was, that's I a think, good point. 54-51, something like that, out in the Coliseum. Right. Which makes you wonder, you know, the winner of that game last year went on to lay an egg in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Does that mean that the uh, you know the winner of this game is going to get to the Super Bowl and lay an egg offensively? Meaning, right? Uh, well, I mean, because the Rams were the team to you couldn't slow them down kind of team, and they scored a field goal in the Super right. Bowl. Right, and so this is the kind of thing where the Saints beat Seattle early right. in the year. Seattle beat the 49ers. The Rams beat Seattle last night, and right. now the 49ers go and they beat the Saints. So they're all just kind of knocking each other out. Now here's a team that I think might be a sleeper team that people are not really talking about, but they have a darn good record. No, no, please, come on. The (laughs) Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Nobody's really talking about them, but all they're doing is just winning nice and easy. They're running the ball, you know, um, and also Cousins is not really making great big blunder mistakes like he is prone to once in a while, and so who knows? The thing about great big blunder mistakes, as you call them, I call them Roethlisbrainers, (laughs) is that you never know when they're coming, and they can come at the most inopportune times. Kind of like a Bears kicker that double dinks one off of the uprights at the wrong time. So just because you haven't seen it yet, and by the way, you have. He threw a interception in the red zone one week that cost them a game. It was a big deal. Uh, I think maybe even on first down, like a first and goal. Uh, you know, they, they you're not prepared for them. They're not announced ahead of time. So don't discount right. that. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean that's true. But um, now, as far as great big blunder mistakes. I heard this morning that the cha- that the Chiefs almost made NFL history yesterday by by having the first forfeit in NFL history because they only received their equipment moments before their game with the Patriots. I guess the equipment managers had not taken the helmets and shoulder pads off of the plane. The plane left Massachusetts and they went to Newark, New Jersey when they realized, oh my gosh, we didn't remove everything. So the plane had to come back with a police escort. The stuff you know, got to the stadium, and they ended up beating your most hated team, the New England Patriots. You know, John, this is a shock to me and hard to believe that there would be a logistical problem with the visiting team to, Saint, to uh, New England. Something like uh, you know, your microphone's not working or 
you know, the other team filming your, I just can't believe that anything like that would happen to a team going to play in uh, Foxborough. And you know what? A forfeit to me is a, is not a good rule. I think they should have just done playground style like we did when we were kids. We didn't have enough equipment for everybody. So in baseball, right, when you left the field, you left your glove on second base for the kid on the other team to come and use. John, I'm going to tie all of our episodes together in this one. This was a perfect opportunity to test my theory that players would be better off without helmets because they wouldn't be using it as a weapon. Have the Patriots play in full uniform and put the Chiefs over there in sandals and, you know, tennis shoes, whatever. Just fling it around for a little while. We put some flags on, play a little flag game, whatever. I'm all for experimenting. By the way, I don't think it's the first forfeit. Didn't they have back in like uh, 1930 when there was like the the Boston Terriers and all the, I mean, the Camden Bulldogs? Surely there were some forfeits way back then. Don't call me Charlie, but uh, (laughs) I'm just going by what I heard this morning on ESPN or the Today Show. Oh, well, then it's true. But this is a perfect segue because speaking of the Today Show, which I happen to watch every morning because I love Al Roker. He's hilarious, and I actually met him one time in Haiti. But um, I turn on the TV, and I see a local girl on there, a teenager from Melbourne Beach, a surfer who has made the Olympic team. So we're going to bring in Hillard Grossman, our resident surf guru, you know, surf expert, great surf writer, and longtime reporter to talk about. Let's do that. All right, let's do this. Hey, Hillard, how you doing today, buddy? Hey, how are you? I am doing fantastic, and anybody here who knows, and I'm glad that Brian McCallum John, which is his new name, is wearing sunglasses here in this room to, in honor of you because you are the beach rat of Florida. You have, you have covered surfing for how long, Hill? Well, 2001, maybe 2000, when C.J. Hopgood entered the world tour. Wow. Now, so as we mentioned earlier... Carolyn Marks, 17-year-old from Melbourne Beach, was on the Today Show this morning because she's one of the the first two females ever to make the U.S. surfing Olympic team. It's the first Olympics ever uh, for surfing, and it's going to be in Tokyo, Japan. It's going to be in Chiba, Japan, actually. Um, She's arrived. She's on national TV today. Wow. Now, um, have you ever interviewed her, Hill, or her family? And if so, what is she like? What is her family like? She's very down to earth. She's from Melbourne Beach, Florida. She um, Last year, she came down here for her Roxy surf camp uh, for all these little girls. And she had to put a limit on it because there were so many little girls wanting to get into that camp. It was at Ron John's. Um, they have a statue now, a sand sculpture of her in front of Ron John's as well as the billboard. And she was there. Uh, she just gotten her driver's license. Funny story. She was, drove down from New Smyrna Beach, where they now live, with her dad. About one-third of the way down, her dad asked her, well, do you have your driver's license with you, right? She panicked. She freaked. She says, oh, no, I left it on the kitchen counter. Dad called it a rookie mistake. He got in behind the wheel instead. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, I'm just curious because I've always called it New Smyrna, but I've heard a lot of people call it New Smyrna. Is that like the right? It must be Southern style. Southern I style. No, Smyrna. And now you've covered, you know, Kelly Slater and a lot of the top surfers. If surfing had been an Olympic sport before this, Hillard, Cocoa Beach and this whole area would really be on the Olympic, you know, surfing map. Correct. Kelly Slater would have plenty of Olympic memorabilia. Let's put it that way. I want to, and, and thanks, John, for stepping all over my joke with the sunglasses. I appreciate that. Um, if you drew a line from it's Kelly a podcast, Slater, they can't see you. But Hillard's here, and it's surfing, and I thought I should wear my sunglasses for it. If you drew a line, and Kelly Slater's at the top, 
and you're at the bottom in the terms of surfing fame, fame, yeah. fame, fame. Where where does she fit? Is she going to be uh, you know fifty seven years like Kelly Slater dominating the world of surfing, or is she <laughs> still Slater's working only her forty seven? But you know he's still surfing like a twenty year old right now. He's eighth in the world. But if you put it in perspective, uh, it's a good question. Uh, of course it is. <laughs> Caroline Marx is buttering him up. Caroline Marx is only seventeen years old right now. You can imagine what her future stands at this rate. Um, well, that's the point, Hillard. I don't want to imagine it. I want you to answer the question. So, what? What? Where does she fit on that timeline? Well, she she was the youngest ever to qualify for any world t- surfing tour at the age of fifteen. Put that in perspective. Five years younger than Kelly Slater. So, if they're still surfing, thirty years from now. She'll be up there, and she may have a bigger stature. So you're saying that Kelly Slater West wasted the first five years of his potential uh, surfing life? Is that he what had to saying? go to school. Okay. And he wanted to go Not to Not really. I mean, I, well, he wanted to finish school. You live on the beach side. You know the truth of that statement, don't you? <laughs> Caroline Marks is homeschooled, and she has a really good education, a good background, and she's seeing the world right now. And banking. And she? Yes, she is banking. She became the first $100,000 winner. That's an equal pay that surfing introduced this year. She won that in Australia at the first event of the season where she was number one in the world. And then she duplicated that feat in Portugal. So there's two victories worth each $100,000. Not bad for a 17-year-old. And now, Hill, you said that you started covering surfing in about the year 2000. In 20 years, over these last 20 years, how... How many more women have gotten involved in surfing and girls, and have they advanced a whole lot? Have they advanced? Not from this area. I mean, we had Nikki Bisons, who won two ISA uh, world titles as a junior, but she gave it up. You know, she got married and fell in love. So Caroline Marks, she's a little too young. She's fallen in love with surfing right now. Um, she She's going to try to match uh, if she, you know, Presumably, Frida Zamba, Lisa Anderson, they've each won four world titles. Not bad for Floridians. The girl that she's with uh, in the Olympics, Carissa Moore, whom she uh, finished second in the world to this year, she also has four world titles now. Did you say already, and I, I don't know because I have sunglasses on and I can't see anything, did you say already how long she, I mean, when did she get on a surfboard? Did her family surf? Or did she inherit this from them? Or? We have a picture of her surfing. She says she's naked on the board, as <laughs> she told today, this morning, um, with her dad. But she was only a four-year-old little girl and got on, jumped on a longboard with him. Uh, but she learned a lot from her brothers. You know, I went to interview um, Luke Marks one time with her dad in a breakfast place when it was raining one day, and Luke Marks was supposed to be the next male surfer from around here to make maybe the world tour. Things didn't quite happen that way. Instead, the little girl learned a lot from her brothers. Well, good for her. And, you know, I spoke to my wife, Jennifer, who actually has interviewed her as well for some other newspaper that we will not mention on this podcast. But uh, apparently the family has... uh, an incredible home where the backyard, where they sort of built a skate park for their kids right in the backyard and all types of American ninja obstacle course types things for them to uh, entertain themselves and, and right. so forth. Yeah. She was into motorbikes, you know, as, as a kid, but they also have a half pipe back there for skateboarding. And more importantly, she, she liked horseback riding. She could have been a barrel racer in horseback riding instead of surfing, but she gave that up and came back to surfing and, hey, we're better for it. 
Is she now? Obviously, she's she's busy a lot of the time. But is she going to a local high school, or is she doing the homeschooling? She's thing doing or the home, She's doing the homeschooling thing, and yeah. uh, you know, I wrote a story last year at Sebastian Inlet that you know she's out there surfing in the morning, like what was it, eight a.m. I guess in the first heat. And I said, well, she you know normally she'd be in class right now studying ge- geometry or something like that, but yeah. she's studying the world right now, and there she's taking other girls to school right now. And now uh, we could never um, truly predict what will happen, Hill. But what are her chances uh, of meddling? You think the Olympics is tough? I mean, if you only there's only three medals available, and, and look at the Australian team with Stephanie Gilmore, a seven-time world champion, and Sally Fitzgibbons. That's the team to beat right now. Uh, Brazil's got Tatiana Weston Webb, uh, Coco, uh, the Brisa Hennessy of uh, Costa Rica. There's a lot of great surfers out there. Savannah Lima of Brazil also. Um, it's going to be tough to get a medal. But, hey, who knows? You know, I, there's only 20 women in the competition, 20 men. Uh, next up would be Kelly Slater. He's got a chance this week at the Pipe Masters to qualify. That would be cool to have a 47-year-old and a 17-year-old from Brevard in the Olympics. Well, I think you should talk to our editors about trying to get you a plane ticket to Chiba, Japan, because you need to be there covering this. You know, I would love that. I was born in Japan, strangely enough. And Really? Uh, I didn't know have, that. We have a baseball player, Carter Stewart, over there from O'Galley, so I can do a little bit of everything. I actually have a GoFundMe page for Hillard to hide out <laughs> in a wheel well. We need $3.95 in to a wheel well, yeah, the airport. Like a snake. Uh, oh, what are you calling him, a Uber. snake? We need, we're right trying to raise $3.95 to Uber him over to the airport so he can it, hide in a wheel well. If I know Hillard, even if it was an all-expense-paid thing, he wouldn't go because he doesn't want to leave his cat alone. I can't take my cat that far. Lyle, mo- most famous cat Lyle, in, that, uh, That's in the North fattest America. cat I've ever seen. That thing eats, like, cupcakes and stuff, right? I mean, <laughs> does he eat mice? He eats cupcakes. Yogurt. He likes yogurt. He stays thin. All right, Hill. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, and... We will have to keep following the progress of Carolyn Banks. And Caroline Marks also. (laughs) Caroline Marks also. (laughs) Caroline Marks. All right, Brian, so that sounds like we have a lot of really cool things to look forward to. And I I know that next week you've got a big day here as far as high school preps goes. You have signing day. The uh, 18th is early signing period. We're going to have some kids sign with some pretty prominent universities, a couple from Coco. So uh, follow 321preps.com all day. We'll have some photos and video, and we'll update you who's, who's signing. This is in it like the third year of this. They didn't used to have a early signing period for football, but now they do. And the main signing day is always the first Wednesday in February. That'll be a huge deal all over the county. There'll just be a select few that sign in December. It's for football only. And is the early signing thing, Brian, is is that because a lot of these guys are graduating early and can, you know, like you then start college earlier or? No, it's because college coaches wanted to cut out the amount of time that they had to sweat out some of these top players signing with them. A lot of big time college coaches wanted to finish signing their big time recruits in December so they could start working on next year's class and the year after that, we now in the next signing period. Well, I still have a few years of eligibility left myself. I haven't heard anything, but I will keep you guys posted if uh, I get signed. I don't signed. think you're in trouble losing those, so that you'll be able <laughs> yeah. to hang on to those, John. If, if anybody's looking for an overweight 54-year-old you know, tight end, um, just give me a call. I'm looking for one of these $100,000 surfing jobs. Wow, yeah, that's pretty cool. Good for her. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Check us out on 321preps, um, on 321preps.com, right. on Twitter at 321preps. And at Brian McCallum at 
Brian McCallum, what sports? Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever you are on Twitter, works, John. Just type my name in. It, you know, things amazing yeah, will happen. Yes, to your computer. amazing things will happen to your life. Or things amazing. All right, guys. We we'll, we will see you next week. Thanks. See you then.